This is Faith and Fable, a pastoral podcast where we discuss common and often controversial topics from a biblical perspective. I'm Mark. I'm Matt Henry. I'm Matt Miller. And I'm Lena. See, that wasn't hard. Yeah. It only took, what, nine takes? That was, yeah, that was easily take nine. So we pro- we, uh, we're doing a promotion now, right? We are. What are we, do- what are we doing? We're doing giveaways. Giveaways. So how do you, uh, sweet swag, right? Some, some swag. We got a swag, swag bag. bag. Yep. Yep. A swag bag. A swag bag. So we got swag coffee bag. mugs. We got books. Books. Not just any coffee mugs, right? We got some Faith and Fable. Yeah, we do. Coffee mugs. Mm-hmm. So, I have some from the White House. What? Just I got some coffee mugs from the White House. We could give away. Yeah, let's just empty out. Our, let's just empty out our closet. <laughs> <laughs> Saves us a trip to Goodwill. You crack Target mugs. <laughs> I got an old. I got an old shirt. You can have. Sure. Yeah. Shoe. No, this is actual promotion where we want people to enjoy the thing that they have been given for liking and sharing and reviewing and doing all those generous things, taking time out of your day to enjoy our podcast, but then share it with others. Tag it Instagram. Yep. Via social media. Social media. That is how everyone communicates these days. So is it a tag or tag we actually have to review or they have to? We don't. They can do a review. Do it all. They can tag us in the review. But it's important they do it. If they want something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, it's important to us though, right? It's important to us. Now you explain why because I'm still not clear on it's this concept. It's important to us because the more people that comment and share, review the more people we will reach. Basically, we're trying to grow up as a podcast. Yeah. yeah. We're already reaching a bunch of people, but we know there's more of you out there who would really benefit. So We put no effort into this. We put no... We, we've done nothing to get this podcast out. No well, let's clarify. Yeah, we put effort into the content. Well, content. But the actual, like, like, getting I it out there to people. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. But, I mean, so I think essentially, like, to really break it down, right? Like, you want people... So we're talking about sharing. You want to, like... So when we... For example, we put her, we put the episode out on Facebook or social media to share that, and yeah. um, so that your friends will see it. Um, okay, that makes and then, sense. And then, with that as well, I mean, you could do that, and then um, go to iTunes and uh, rate and review five stars. Five, uh, yeah, we only we do don't five. like three stars. We don't mm, like three. No, no, five. it's got to be five. It's got to be a good review. No sabotage. Um, we want to know what you think too, yeah. but. Yeah, we want feedback. We like feedback. But by doing that, then it spreads. Gets out the word. Well, and spreads in that influence. Yeah. And that, for me at least, as the old guy here, I don't care about swag, but I do care about the content that we're doing. And we are trying to actually have useful content. Yeah. But there's no value if it goes into an echo chamber chamber right 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 Right. so yeah so every every essentially every time that you um either rate and review on itunes it'll count as like an entry into it um so you can create tons of accounts and rate and review on you know uh, a bunch of accounts you want um and then every time you share an episode that'll count and we'll just put all it together i think we're doing it for like a month sharing groups multiple okay so how many reviews do we have right now about i don't know like 20 uh yeah 20 but we have thousands several thousand downloads so, 7,000 downloads. Okay, so we have thousands of people 
having downloaded it and listening to it yeah. and liking it. 28 ratings on but iTunes. Both of them are not. So come on, guys. <laughs> come on, guys. It's not that hard. Yeah. Yeah. Let's take a second. Just and drag your thumb along and, those And stars. we will then give them a gift. Yeah. Well, not well, all we're gonna of them. Well, we're going to pick a person. Yeah. We're going to pick a person in a few weeks. We're just going to do one person or how many are we going to do? We'll figure it out. We'll figure something out. Yeah. We're new just, to this. Just share the thing. Just share, share it like because it. you're learning Review something. And you, you might get something. have suggestions yeah. for how we should do this. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you're, and, and that's actually a good point. We, we are rookies at this, so you yeah. feel free to also send us a message on, look, this would be really cool or helpful. We are totally right. open to it. We, we are trying to do this to be a genuine help again. Yeah. Uh, it's not just us having nothing better to do. This takes up a lot of our time, but we like doing it. Yeah. We think it's valuable. So mm-hmm. if you are helped, help us by learning how to do it better. Yeah. We're not changing the content. We're still going to be depressing and always talking about suffering and pain. And, yeah, you know, this is but, purely yeah. death, repentance, tertiary judgment, stuff. Yeah. yeah. It's kind of like, like our that, preacher. Sure. <laughs> yeah. You're going to so. die, so repent. <laughs> yeah. Speaking yep. of which... Let's talk about the church planter as a theologian. Yeah, this is a topic on Now, our, that's a segue. Well, I, you know, you're... Uh, a highly paid smooth. professional. Yeah, well, you're... Yeah. Something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so this is a topic on our, on our hearts right now, especially. So, talk about this. I mean, yeah, you got, so... Oh, are you going to do it? I can't remember. Go ahead. Well, so there's, there's a lot of stuff out there right now, pastor as... Right, so pastor is scholar, pastor is theologian, oh, yeah. uh, pastor is fill in the blank. So we're we're doing a lot with church planting right now, and the more we get into it, the more we learn about it, the more we interact with people who are doing it, um, the more maybe issues is too strong a word, but no, I think it's. I mean, concerns. They can yeah, concerns, but issues. There's just issues that come up in their mind. We we've been to a, enough conferences. Uh, we've read way more books than maybe we want to on the subject, but part of it's because we didn't know how the church plant, but we wanted to. You're planting the church, and so planted. we need to learn. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's planted. Um, but as we did, and we started going to these conferences and interacting with various uh, networks that are for church planting. And now we, we're training guys on it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, we became concerned because yeah. we were starting to hear a lot on methodology in various ways. But you and I just instinctively think theologically, and we're dumb enough to think that other people ought to be doing that too, which is why we're doing the podcast. So um, you and I would walk out of a conference or a teaching session, and invariably we'd start picking it apart, not necessarily being critical of it, but just think about was that sound theology that was driving that or was it pure methodology and pragmatism? And those are huge in the church planting world. So um, we would argue that until you address the theology that should be undergirding everything you're doing in a church planting, um, it's going to always end up being a consumer-driven product. And in the church... I don't care if it's an existing church or a church plant. It has to be driven by theology, not yeah. the consumer, meaning yeah. the person coming to visit and check you out. Yep. And the point we're going to make is every church planter has a theology. It's either good or bad, but we'll get there. So what we want to talk about then is church planter as theologian. Um, and so 
let's just lay out some biblical basis for this. Seems fair. Okay. So a church planner, in our view, is essentially one of two things. Yeah. First of all, we have to have people understand. When we say church planter, it may not be what somebody else thinks. And so, go ahead. So here's what we're thinking. Um, A church planter is one of two things, and that is they're either um, an evangelist type of church planter or they're a a pastor-teacher type of church planter. And this is where I'll be just blunt. I don't think there can be any other kind of church planter. No matter what they want to say, the Bible would not have some other um, criteria or category. You're, You're either functioning in your church plant as the guy who's the evangelist starting it, and we'll have to talk about that. Um, and we will, or he's coming in to plant a church, but he's already coming in as like I am. I'm not a planter in the technical or the classic sense, but I am a pastor teacher. That's what I am. That's my giftedness. Um, and so if I was to go and plant a church, it's going to be built around that. So yeah, in a, in some yeah, and it comes out of personality, but also unique desires in and, people's hearts and, and giftedness. Yeah, and so as we're we're training people, we're trying to figure out which kind of category they're falling into, maybe. Um, and so if, if a church planner, let's talk about these two, if a church planner is going to function like an evangelist, then it needs to be done in a biblical manner. Um, so the new, new Testament, um, doesn't really talk about evangelists functioning as these kind of open air preachers. Right. Or, your classic Billy Graham. Yeah. Big tent, big event kind of preachers. Um, rather we see a model of that, of it in Acts chapter 19, where Paul's in Ephesus and also in Asia Minor. Um, and what we see him is going into a place, he's gathering a small group of believers, his core, his core group, if you will. Um, he's conti- oh, that's a good way to say it. Yeah, the, yeah. We would call it a core group, but it's actually, there was an existing group of believers there that he gathered around him. And that's, that was the beginning of the church plant. Yeah. Excellent. And in the, in the midst of that, he's, he's continuing relentlessly to confront people with the gospel. Um, you know, and so as he does that, then he trains and teaches this, this growing group of believers for... Uh, two years, as we see in that case, all the while evangelizing still people in the area. Um, but by the time he leaves or he goes to do the same thing in another place, uh, that is gather another core group, train them up, um, he had already trained up elders for that specific place. And um, and then according to his commands to Timothy and Titus, these were men being trained well in the Bible and theology. Right, right. They're not just cool guys with leader potential and really able to get people excited. These were godly men who displayed the quality and the characters that he requires an elder to be as he taught yeah. t- Titus and Timothy. So um, that, and and I would call... Paul was not just an apostle. He was an evangelist. Um, he, he, it's just what he was. And wherever he went, that's, he always ended up in a synagogue or in a marketplace yeah. engaging the people, right? Yep. He's going, he's going into a context where the name of Jesus Christ isn't even known. That's his whole desire, right? Yeah. yeah. But he doesn't want to leave that place until he has now a sound church that's able to function properly on its own. And that involves that structure. Um, of having elders, deacons, if necessary, the whole thing. There's a structure then that he leaves behind. Um, yeah. And so, until he's done that, he's not done church planting there. Yeah. Um, and so so a good church planter will say this, this evangelistic type, this first category is going to start a church. They're going to train men in theology. They're going to de- develop up a faithful plurality of elders who can handle the word with care and accuracy. And then he's going to move on and do it again. Now, if you don't agree with plurality of elders, 
Don't worry about it. Yeah. We'll prove later on that we're right. Not in this one, but... <laughs> well, we'll do an episode on that, yeah. yeah. Um, or not. <laughs> yeah. But what he can't do is just establish a church, right, where there's no vision or, or means to grow the people into conformity to the person of Jesus Christ, um, where the only goal there is just to see the conversion of the lost. Yeah, that sounds yeah. great. We want them to come to Christ. We want them... Uh, I mean, the, we, we've heard people say, we just want people who love Jesus or yeah. are Christ followers. And it's like, okay, is that the new term? They're going to be called Christ. I don't care what you call them, but that's not what we're doing. That's not the Great Commission. It's to make a disciple. And the disciple is more than just a person making a profession of faith or having even been baptized. And we'll yeah. get into that in this podcast. Yeah. So so these, these church planners who are of the evangelistic type, they either need to decide that they're going to go and raise up faithful men that are theologically sound and then hand off the church essentially to a faithful pastor who's determined to bring the word um, and grow these people into maturity or remain in pastor himself. Right. So he needs to make that decision. But if he does choose to remain, his primary responsibility then is no longer to just go after the lost, but now he has to equip the people with the word and with sound theology so that they might go out and do the work of making disciple, making yep. disciples. And, and let me interject there. We, you, you just said it, uh, equip the people with the word. And then you said, and theology, because if you're going to equip them with the word, you're developing theology. And if you're going to theologically develop them, it's on, the only way you can do that properly is through the word. They're one and the same. Yeah. So yeah. that's what, that's why we're saying uh, the church planter as a theologian Intrinsically, that's a word-based ministry yeah. and reality. Yeah. Now, that's not to say that they still shouldn't do the work of an evangelist. I mean, Paul still commands Timothy, do the work of an evangelist, but he also commands him now preach the word, right? Yes. Yeah. So, so we're not and they, divorcing those. No, and they're not um, in contradiction to one another yeah. and conflict one another, one and the same. Yeah. So un- unfortunately, and we've seen it, there's too many church planners of, of the evangelistic type who have a great desire to start a church because they got a big heart for the loss, which is a good thing. Um, but since they're so focused on the loss, they can begin to lose sight of the reality that the primary goal of any true pastor is to mature the people into the person of Christ. And again, as he's bringing the word, delivering sound theology for that ultimate goal of now equipping the people for the work of the services Paul talks about in Ephesians chapter four. And and I experienced that firsthand because when I came in as pastor, the guy before me was really an evangelist. That's, that was his heart and he did it well. And we still have members in our church who were brought to Christ through that man's evangelistic efforts. He wasn't a pastor teacher. And so once he had that church functioning, he tried to stay on and he bought into that idea of the mega church and we're going to build into this huge consumer driven model and the church really suffered. And so by that time he jumped ship and I step into a sinking ship that was really, really messed up because they had grown, but they had not numerically, but they had not grown theologically Mm -hmm. and now they were feeding on themselves. And so then I had to come in and start to establish a foundation that he didn't lay um, because he didn't, he didn't understand his place in, in the church. He didn't see himself as, I'm a church planter, I'm an evangelist. And once I got that established, the best thing he could have done was found a faithful pastor, teacher, bring mm-hmm. the guy in and step away. Interesting. Yeah. And, I, and we've talked a lot about this. We, we think that truly there are a lot of guys out there who are really good at church planning. Like they're, they're phenomenally gifted 
in ways that I couldn't do it, and I think that you would admit you could. Oh, they can absolutely. parachute into a place, to use the term, and gather a core group of people, get them all focused on a mission, start that church, and start growing that base. But then there's no depth. There's no teaching. There's yeah, no... they don't recognize that they need to get out of it. Yeah. Or, or shift and hand the reins over to somebody else who's now going to be that, that lead pastor, however you want to call them nowadays, who's going to be doing that equipping of the people while they continue working within their strong gift. Yeah, us. go do it again. Yeah. That's your sweet spot. Um, so that, that's a church planter's evangelist. Um, but there's also another kind. This is the, the, the church planter who functions more like a pastor or teacher. Um, and, and this kind of church planner is definitely going to have a huge focus on going in to then start a church, but then he's going to stay there. Yeah. He wants to remain there and he's going to build the people up in the word of God. And, and he'll be doing evangelism, but, and I'll just use myself as an example. That's not my gift. Um, I'm not good at it. And yet God has given me ample opportunities to have brought people to Christ. And I've seen that, but I never am happy that I brought them to Christ. I then immediately want to see them go and become right. mature and stable right. and stable. And so that that kind of a church plant will look different. I think yeah. that's what yours looks which, like. Which is the heart of a pastor as right. opposed to an evangelist. Now, of course, they want to see people grow, but that's not their passion. Of, yeah. yeah. It, they don't eat, drink, and sleep that. No. And yeah. so both of those are fine. It, the, the idea of a church plant doesn't require one or the other um, to do it, but you have to recognize both of those, there's a theological framework from which they have to be operating from. Or what happens is you end up having an evangelist. Now, all of a sudden, he's got a church of 500, and he is not equipped to shepherd them like he needs to. But he tries because there's good money, and all of a sudden, you get yeah. book deals. and all. I mean, really, all of that American stuff that kicks in, and, and now you're just creating this problem. Um, I would even make an argument in some way that that's what happened with Bill Hybels because he, oh, if sure. you know him in his, well, you don't, you were too young, but he was truly an evangelist and he, he had a heart for evangelism, but now you look at him and now yeah. all kinds of issues and he has now had to resign in mm -hmm. shame and all, and the church, the Willow Creek church still is just in, an incredibly bad church theologically because they never stopped actually trying to be evangelists rather than now we bring them into yeah. biblical maturity. Now you so. have a church, yeah. So in, in light of all this, um, as we were mentioning before, every person is a theologian. Um, and so the only real question is if a person is a sound theologian. Um, and it, so if every person's already a theologian, then a, a church planner has to confront people, as you were saying before, um, at a theological level. Right. Yeah. You have Even to. though they don't think so. <laughs> yeah. Their felt needs are, I'm depressed. And I would yeah. say, yeah, there's a theology behind that, yeah. um, and, and usually a, a wrong one. Yeah, yeah, and and so in, until that occurs, namely a, a church planner is beginning to confront people, um, and I don't use that in a negative sense, but confront people with theology. Um, a church planner is doing something, but it's not real evangelism. No, right? Um, real evangelism, as we understand scripturally, is disciple making, which necessarily requires Bible teaching. Yeah. Um, we see this, for instance, in Matthew 28, 20, the Great Commission. He says, teaching them, make disciples, how by teaching them to observe or obey all that I've commanded. And so we're going to just kind of break that down yeah. in the rest of this podcast. So 
everyone knows you're, you're going and baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And that's how you make a disciple. But the third aspect of uh, the disciple making is exactly that, teaching them to obey all that I commanded. So the first point that you can draw from just that little tiny verse is, or section of a verse is, that teaching simply means teaching. It's it's. I don't know why this is so hard, <laughs> but but see, people don't get it that you know we we literally heard a person talk about why preaching it makes no sense. Remember that one guy we were listening to, and he just said, you know, that's not how people learn, uh, and we need to really rethink the value of preaching. And I'm like, except that Paul overtly commands us right. to preach the word in season mm-hmm. and out of season. So we're going to either go with this guy. Or we're going to go with what the Apostle Paul or our Lord and Savior says. He yeah. says, no, your job is not to engage them. I, I heard another video where the guy's saying, look, we have learned from TED Talks, which right away I was annoyed, oh, that the optimum length of a, of a message is 18 minutes. Ugh. And he says, and if you will integrate that into your teaching and preaching, you will revolutionize your church. And I'm like, yeah, shut up. You know, it's Paul would have flunked. Right. Remember the one where he preached all night, guy falls out, <laughs> dies. Yeah, dies, he resurrects him. And then what, <laughs> what, what's great, he's like, okay, so where was I? Oh, yeah, point four. <laughs> he's alive now, he's fine. Uh, you know, and he's it's like, it, it, to him, the resurrection wasn't the cool thing. It was, I have to teach you. And I have a limited amount of time, so we're all going to stay up all night and just learn. So... Christ says we have to teach, and that simply means it's not, it's more than a sermon, it's more than just a pep talk, and it's certainly more than a therapeutic session or a trip towards self discovery. And that's what you listen to time and time again in the sermons today that they're not sermons, they're really a therapy session. Uh, and the second thing is it means that teaching is going to mean that there has to be some sort of a transference of specific information, it means the teacher has to know it. Um, and that's another problem is this lack of theological knowledge, right? We just had a conversation with somebody where we said that we will not support as a church a, a man who wants a church plant who does not have a theological education. Right. Not because we think a seminary education in its own right is something, but if he has been trained well theologically, now we, we know he has a well from which he can teach. Yeah, to, it, to rightfully divide the word. Right, yeah. right. And, and it's not going to be, okay, I'm, I've exhausted my knowledge of the word after 15 sermons. Yeah. But it's like, I can now go the rest of my life because of that equipping. So the church planter has to be confined in his instruction. So Christ says it's to be all that Christ commanded. That's what we are to be teaching. Everything that was commanded is ours now to instruct others so that they would obey. Now, when we talk about that idea of all that Christ has commanded, people will say, so we should just focus on the words of Jesus. But it actually gets into a, another podcast someday on bibliology of the nature of the Bible and specifically New Testament. So I'm just going to give a quick, very quick statement here. There's a cool passage in John 16, verse 13, where it says, but when he, the spirit of, the, of truth comes, this is Christ talking, he will guide you into all the, into all the, tr- yeah, into all the truth. For he will not speak on his own initiative, but whatever he hears, they're referencing from him, from Christ, he will speak and he will disclose to you what is to come. What's important is when it talks about the spirit of truth, that he will guide you into all the truth. Actually, a better translation would be in all 
truth. It's the, the preposition n versus ace. And so it's in this realm of truth that belongs to the spirit of truth and, and to Christ that we are being guided by the spirit. And he's specifically talking to the, who, the disciples who will then become apostles. Yeah. So he's not talking about new truth. Right. And he's not talking about this prophetic utterance or something. He's talking about the spirit will guide these men in the truth that already has been yes. taught and yeah. is possessed by Christ. And now the spirit is guiding them as they're writing their apostolic writing, what we call the New Testament. So when you look at the New Testament, you read the, the letter to the Ephesians, you're not just reading Paul's words, you're reading Christ's words. These are his commands. And they were given by the spirit of truth who guides them in that truth. And that truth was given to the spirit, to the apostles, by Christ, if right. that makes sense. Absolutely. And it's really fascinating to, to think about. So the apostolic teaching is Christ's teaching. So when we're teaching all that Christ commanded us, that includes Paul, Peter, Jude, John, uh, yeah, John in the book of Revelation. So the point in, in all of this is that the church planter should be constrained in the content that been, has been once for all taught. I'm going to give an example here a little bit later to irk me because it, it needs to be conformed to and confined by the Bible. Yeah, um, and, and we see that, you know, with Paul, um, what he said about the Ephesian elders, he, he had taught to them the full counsel of God, as he says. Yeah. Um, in other words, the, the fullness of, of, of the faith or the truth of the Bible that existed at the time. Um, later, Paul says to Timothy that there's only one option for him, which is to preach the word. Well, um, just to be a jerk, compare that to Andy Stanley's unhitching from the Old Testament and even his defense of it in a couple of videos where he's like, look, we need to unhitch ourselves from that. It's like Paul preached the whole council. Yeah. He, he wasn't unhitching from anything, but right. that's um, so. So that's the, the, the constraining, though, that you're talking about. They're, they're confined to... Uh, a certain kind of content, and it's the scriptures. Right. So the church planner is not just a visionary. Um, he, he's not some kind of therapist. He's, he's certainly not a proclaimer, as you were saying, of private prophecy. Rather, he is to be a teacher in the first instance of the Bible, um, which means he's to be a teacher of true theology. Okay, so let me rant on that, because there's a guy, his name is Craig Groeschel, and he is far more popular than I will probably ever be, and that's fine. Um, but if you actually sit down and listen to his messages, you'll realize he's not teaching the Bible at all. Um, and he's certainly not doing theology. Um, and, and it bothers me because people are buying his sermons and then re-preaching them. It's like, what? Th those are not even truly sermons. And so I watched this uh, series I, as much as I could, and it was entitled At the Movies, which made me already grimace. And it, it may be apparently very popular, but it's really bad. And so the basis of his messages becomes a movie scene rather than the Bible. That's the framework from which he's going to go. So right away, we're already out and in overtly being disobedient to the command of Christ. Teach all that I commanded or get a cool movie scene. And that's what he did. So one of them shows this guy. I don't know if it's his girlfriend. I don't watch movies. Um, his girlfriend, his wife, his whatever, she's getting some award. He's drunk. He, she's congratulating, thanking him. He stumbles up on stage, ends up urinating all over himself. 
and the passes heck? himself out. Yeah, literally. What is this? Th- this is this is a sermon. This is part of this a is Sunday a movie service. clip. Got to find the gospel themes. And so, yeah, yeah, the cruciform Something. nature of this. And so then it cuts to Groeschel, and he starts talking about the lies we all buy into in a pursuit of success, and how of them result in negative self-image. Um, you'll never be good enough, et cetera, et cetera. That's exactly what we were just saying. That's therapy. That's that's this world. That's garbage. Then, after literally maybe a two-minute yak about therapy, it goes to another really long scene that ends in the guy's killing himself. And and here's the thing. He, he willfully shows the scene, and then when it cuts back to him, he says, I want to apologize to anyone who may have been offended by that. I'm like... If you were worried about having to apologize, why would you show it? And so it's like, you're not apologizing for anything. And then he goes off into another therapy session. Um, He gives this vague Christian statement through some quotes. um, And he does. He quotes some Bible verses. So people say, see, he brought the Bible. No, he didn't. Quoting a Bible verse out of its context after that scene means nothing. And we're we're all being left to fill in the meaning of what does that Bible verse mean? And so then he cuts to another scene of the dead guy's girlfriend. I, again, I guess she's a girlfriend um, singing on stage about him. And all of that's happening while he's going to kill himself. And so it shows cut scenes of their relationship and how they once were happy. And now this, it fades to this life-altering moment. It fades to a quotation from Romans fifteen thirteen. Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. And that's somehow supposed to mean something. Well, here are the words though. The God of hope, the terms joy Joy and peace, peace, believing, hope, power of the Spirit. Those are theologically thick, dense phrases. No explanation, just the Bible verse vaguely goes up there. And then from there, he literally does this. I, I almost barfed. He says, look, I want you to lift up your hands in faith as an act of faith. And then he gives this abbreviated gospel. And then you're supposed to click because you're watching this live on TV. Okay. And, and if you click, it shows that you're a hand raised. So now that starts having a number counter showing the number <gasps> of hands that are oh being raised. Gosh. This is a... This is... Head- Heads are bowed over behind the screen. Yeah, yeah. this is this, this is, is what is people are buying right. and then oh spewing out at their churches, and and so now you're watching the number ticker, and over in the comment section, <sighs> people are like doing little, I don't know how emojis work. I'm so old and decrepit, but they're like little fire emojis and and these hands stuck together. I guess that's thanks or praise or I don't know. And and so apparently we're worshiping over here while we're watching the number counter click up. And then he says this. He says, you know, you you want to turn from sin, but he doesn't talk to you what what is sin and what does it mean oh, to man. repent? Right. Uh, you're to believe. No idea what that means. That he died on the cross in my place. That's actually good. Except there's no explanation. So right. it's like, it doesn't mean anything. And then he says this, he's, bam, you're, he doesn't say bam, but I said, <laughs> he says, you're now a Christian. He now pronounces upon you. If you have raised your hand in faith, then you are now a Christian. And so now you need to ask God to fill you with your, fill me with your spirit. We did a whole spirit. podcast on oh that. Gosh. And yeah. make me new. What's that mean? Yeah. From there, 
It then cuts to some cool campus pastor saying that now that they are a Christian, and then he has the gall to say, and Life.Church is your church, we want to minister to you. And that was the sermon. Yeah. At the movies. Power. Bam. Yeah. You're a Christian. I thought I could make Christians that way. Yeah, so all this crap that you don't want to do and say, yeah, I want that better thing. Yeah. And, oh and you need a guy up there on the stage urinating, committing suicide. Yeah. You apologize for all of that. Of course Lift your hands that. in faith. Click on the mouse if you are raising your hands, which I don't know how you can do that if you're clicking on a mouse, but that's a, that's a separate issue. Now, that is not what Jesus calls pastors or church planters to be. That, that, that's evil. Yeah, that's not preaching the full counsel of God. So... <laughs> It's really slick, though. It is. I mean, man, oh, it was manipulative. I can imagine. I was in, 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 a, in a boardroom thinking, man, we, guys, we're going to get that all these. Was cool. It was clean. It was everything about it. The the methodology of it was slick, clean, well yeah. done. You can see the amount of money being poured into there, and but but it's wrong. It's evil, yeah. and, and I'm not going to call it anything but evil. No. It's 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 wrong. Yep. And any man that would say I want to invest in that is wrong. He doesn't understand his calling. Yeah. So you go with them back to Matthew 28. Um, yeah. yeah. And Matthew, sorry for the rant. <laughs> That's all right. Uh, Not sorry. You know, so, no. <laughs> so in, in Matthew 28, though, what we see is that a, a church planner, a pastor is, is calling the people to obey, as we've been talking about, all that's been taught of them. Um, and so in Matthew 28, at this point, it's assumed that people are now baptized believers, really, right? But, but really, the, the teaching has been going on before a person's become saved. Right, because they don't even know what they're to believe unless you've taught them what they are to believe. Exactly, yeah. Um, but, but regardless, the point is that all teaching is to move a person to obedience. Um, and, and until obedience is accomplished or, or something that's being regularly pursued by these people, the, the pastor or church planter's job isn't finished. So, again, that goes back to when you, when you become a church planter and you're bringing people to Christ, but you are not truly having Christ formed in them, you have not been yet obedient to the Great Commission. Yeah. You're not obeying your Lord. Yeah. Um, and so to obey means that the teaching is such that it's actually clear what's being taught so that the people know what they're obeying and why they're obeying and for what purpose. Um, and that also, as we would say, requires a sound theology. Um, and so you you have com uh, some examples on this. Well, and I just kicked them out. I, I thought we could rant on them as much as we want. But there's a command over and over again to be sexually pure. But what the heck does that mean? Right now, we have all kinds of re restless, reformed people or whatever who are addicted to Game of Thrones. I, apparently, that's all done, though, now. So there's probably Stranger Things. Stranger Things season three, I think, or something is kicking out, and they are introducing a lesbian relationship. What are we watching that for? Why would you want to watch that? Why would you say this is my entertainment? Man, I can't wait. Turn away from that. The wrath, I mean... Paul, Let's not even get started I'm on, sorry. on being on Netflix. But, Paul, uh, Paul, yeah, but Paul, <laughs> literally, said, Paul yeah. literally says in Colossians, for these things, the wrath of God abides. abides. I mean, the wrath, wrath of, of God, God. abides <laughs> upon it because of these things. Yeah. And yet we're tuning in and we are talking at length about why we can't wait for the next show. Game of Thrones. What are we doing with rape scenes, yeah. lesbian, homosexuality, and blatant nudity it's it forbids it but but somehow people claiming to be christians have not been taught something as simple as you can't look at a woman naked who's not your wife 
Right. And if you don't have a wife, you definitely don't look at that. You, mm-hmm. you just don't do that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. Church discipline. Massive amount of theology. Who do you discipline? Why don't you? When was the last time you saw a church actually discipline a person all the way to the end where they're sent from the church? Over and over again, you don't see it. Or you see it in a manipulation because the person's not in tune with your your vision. Right. So we'll bring discipline on you. Again, you have to have sound theology for you to understand why you would church discipline. Or another example, proper use of an understanding of your money and possessions. Why does God enrich you? Why did you get that raise? Why do you live in America where you're in the richest country in the world? Mm-hmm. Is it so you can have all of the toys? Yep. Or is it possible, just create, think about this, possible that God has enriched you so that you might give more generously yeah. mm-hmm. for his kingdom? What a concept. Yeah. Um, or marriage relationship. What the heck does it mean? What's a husband supposed to be doing? What's a wife supposed to be doing? We got husband and wives literally coexisting with yeah. no idea why they are there. So you guys, I mean, I married you, I married you and your wife. I did, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that was my daughter. <laughs> uh, yeah, and uh, I mean, but I, I know what I said, you guys. Yeah. I know what I taught you, and I know what I would expect of you if you guys were having marital difficulties. We're going to go back to the word. Yeah. Uh, another simple one would just be parenting. We have parents who are clueless in in our country now about what they're doing and why they even have this baby, yeah. and and the result is that they're going to raise up a godless generation rather than a godly one. So that's my second yeah, And we're rant. not offering like a separate class or a separate like group that you can be a part of. You're talking to all of your people, married, single, yes. no children, children from the pulpit and from the word of God. But if you're teaching them all that Christ has commanded you and you understand that that involves your apostolic body of doctrine, then there's no issue there. No. Then as you're teaching it, you're confronting the people that God expects you to be sexually pure. God expects you to love your wife as Christ loves the church. God expects you to yep. discipline your children yep. in the fear and admonition of the Lord. But he expects those things. And, and if you're talking to true Christians, which is hopefully what your church is made up of, they're going to love that. Yeah. I, I think they're so fearful. Church planners are so fearful to preach on those things because by and large, their church is made up of unbelievers right. or disgruntled Christians yes. from a past church who right. have come yeah. to your new Better. thing because they're really upset with something that happened before. Sure. But if you're preaching the full counsel of God, they possess the spirit of God, they're going to love that. They're going to mm-hmm. want that because they want to grow. They have a new heart, new desires. Well, and we, we're dealing with that, right? We, with your church plant, you're getting some of your growth as a transference growth. Yeah. From people, and and the thing that they're finding is somebody is actually telling them what the Bible says, and and their hearts are loving it, even though they're in tough marriages, yeah. tough job situations, tough tough life situations. They're they're loving it because they're now actually hearing this is what my Lord calls me to do, rather than some therapy session where they're given yeah. some cheap verses to read, think about, and then they just keep on. And they're, and they're angry that no one ever did this. Yeah. I mean, they, they were harmed in every possible way. And so. And um, sometimes irreparably, this side yes. of it, right? I mean, yeah. you, you, you get them and you begin to teach them, and, and they've already made decisions yeah. that are, you can't fix. Right. And, and, and now they have to bear up under those consequences. So now you have to teach them right. how to honor yes. God in the midst of that suffering, which was a, an earlier podcast. Yeah. Right. So, so in Ephesians chapter four, we have a, 
a pretty clear um, statement on what the role of a pastor is or what are some of these gifts that God gave to the church. So do you want to read that one? Sure. And he gave some as apostles and some as prophets and some as evangelists and some as pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints for the work of service to the building up of the body of, of Christ until we all attain to the unity. Oh my gosh, a mosquito's attacking me. <laughs> Sorry. Until, until the mosquitoes attack, <laughs> <laughs> then we bail. <laughs> uh, for the equipping of the saints, for the work of service, to the building up of the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a mature man, to the measure of the stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ. As a result, we are no longer to be children tossed here and there by waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men, by craftiness and deceitful scheming. But speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in all aspects into him who is the head, even Christ. Yeah, so it's very clear the mandate's given. I mean, there's not guesswork here. Um, the, a church planner's job is simply to equip the people of God. Now, we're not going to debate right now if they believe in apostolic apostles for the day or when evangelists or I'm a prophet, we're not even getting into that. All of yeah. those people were given as gifts to the church to equip the people of God. Yeah. So it doesn't matter what you want to call yourself. Equipping's. Yeah. In some way you're coming in to the yeah. church and we're talking specifically as that evangelist in there yeah. or the pastor teacher that their job. Yeah. But, it, but there's a purpose statement, right? Right. Right. For right, right. this purpose, the equipping of the saints, mm -hmm. And then for what greater, for the work of the service. And then he goes on and expl explicates what some of that is. Um, but the task is not done, according to Paul, until they're all mature, as he says, um, which, by the way, never happens yeah. until right. Christ returns. Not if you're, mm -hmm. you're a, 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 a true church that's truly living out the faith because you're always seeing new people coming in. Yeah. And yeah. so the whole process continues. Again. Yeah. So. So in other words, the implication then is, is you will always be in the state of equipping. That's just your life. Yep. That is your life. Um, and for this greater goal, though, to not be carried about by every wind of doctrine tossed to and fro, as he says, which is a massive problem today. Yeah. Um, and, and so you, you, today you can't have a conversation or a serious conversation with people about theology because um, they don't like it. It's too complicated. They're not interested, whatever. And so they're just being tossed to and fro and they're all over the map. Um, and so bad doctrines um, are what rule the day, essentially. Yep. So what's, what's the antidote to that? Okay, so he says the antidote will be speak the truth in love, which is one of the most trash, misunderstood passages. Used, yeah. we'll, we'll just deal with this simply here, though. It, it, it means that the truth is not a cudgel uh, that we beat and people up with. Mm. But nor is it a tool to exalt ourselves over people, uh, but rather it's in the realm of love. That's what it means speak the truth in love there. It's in the realm of love we're speaking the truth. So it's out in that overflow of my care and love for you. And that's what the, all of those people, the apostle, the prophet, the evangelist, and the pastor teacher, they are to look at the people of God with love. And in that love, speak truth. Not in that love, hide the truth because it's going to hurt them. Um, it, it, it's that we're transparent. We give of ourselves. We care for these people. And it's the giving of truth that then seeks the other's good well and well-being. Biblically defined, though, right. not therapeutically or psychologically. All of it's designed to build them up in their faith. And all of that is to move them toward a genuine Christ-likeness. And none, not, not any bit of this can remotely occur when 
uh, sound theology is not found. If it's not constantly pouring out from the pulpit in, in the study groups and the community groups and the podcast, whatever it might be, from the pastor or the community, or community, the church planter, that's where it's going to all start and end. And so, yeah, it, it, it's a non-negotiable. Yeah. So, let's just give some application of this. Um, so, we have moved from something called an attractional model. Now, That's your Willow Creek model, yeah. sa- saddleback with a... Right, exactly, to, to something called a, a quote, inc- incarn- uh, incarnational model. Um, but what we've also found is none of those possess a sound theology. No. Um, so they sound cool, though. Yeah, uh, so, the, so the attractional model, again, all pure pragmatics, the attractional model was designed originally to make the church attractive or some kind of safe place that's non-threatening for the non-Christian or non-believer. Mm. Um, and so it was, it was designed by its very nature not to be threatening and was therefore supposed to provide a space for people to, quote, encounter God um, or come into a non-churchy environment through safe which space. yeah they can, they can hear the gospel. Um, but that's where the whole stadium scene was invented. Willow yeah. Creek invented that. They, they actually had a pastor involved with ambiance. Keeping oh, yeah, yeah. right, right, right. The right kind of sound, the right kind of lighting, the right kind of seating, the right kind of temperature. Everything is there to create it's all manipulation. Yeah, and yeah. and then the guy gets up there, and and now everyone thinks that the only way to preach is without a pulpit there, because now you're creating a barrier between you and the people. Oh, yeah. When in fact there is a barrier there specifically because right. when the pastor gets up to preach, he is now taking on the official task of instructing the people, and he literally is to stand behind it, which is why I hate those clear ones, and and because he is not the issue. It's the preaching forth of the word. There's actually a meaning behind that, really, oh, yeah. but that we don't have. Instead, we have the stupid stool and, and the guy sitting there in his skinny jeans who has no right to wear skinny jeans, and he's, I'm serious. He's like, belly hanging out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And it's like, yep. dude, you, you're yep. trying to look like, you're trying to look like a young man when Sound theology says that the church should be revering the gray Seriously. head. Seriously, oh you my know? gosh, yes. And this it's like, oh, youth. give me a, give me a good old man who loves Jesus right. and let let him teach me. Um, but that 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 whole non-threatening thing was in, developed by Willow Creek, and people don't even know they're doing it now. And now they're like, well, we got to get away from all these things. Right. So that's the attractional model. It's it's driven by pure consumerism. Um, And then what happened now is something called the incarnational model, which is something that's newer. uh, And it focuses on being the person of Jesus Christ in the world. That's Mm -hmm. kind of the idea. Um, And so just as Jesus took on flesh and entered into a broken, sinful world, so also the Christian now is to enter the, quote, broken spaces of the sinful world. And that sounds good. We need need to enter into these broken spaces. We need to bring healing to the nations. So instead of trying to get unbelievers to come into our church, which was the attractional model, it, the incarnational oh, model yeah. emphasizes going out into the world and yeah. inhabiting the spaces where the unbeliever already is. Um, and, you know, they're going to pull from examples like Jesus dining with prostitutes and tax collectors. Yeah. Um, Jesus didn't invite Zacchaeus to the temple to hear him preach. He went to his house to eat a meal with him, so on and so forth. Um, the problem, though, with that is the incarnational model um, almost always ends up giving a very inoffensive gospel. Sure. Um, in fact, when you when you look at what's actually being said by a lot of these people, very seldom is it the biblical gospel that's warning a person or is demanding the fullness of their life. They're not being called to take up their cross and become a true slave of Jesus Christ. Um, rather, the result 
is often a call to do things like community service or do things for the least of these. That's a fancy or a, a term that's always being used um, as if that's somehow showing the love of Christ. Um, in fact, this is what many mean when they use the term missional. Um, and so now a church planner is a guy who merely motivates people and vaguely teaches his church and how they need to be incarnational. And so he's going to talk a lot about how they need to gather but so that they can go out and scatter with the love of Jesus or something. Yeah. It, it makes for a great sound. Yeah. We gather so that we can scatter. And there's nothing overtly wrong with that. But the theology behind it so often is what's lacking. So right. why are they scattering? Well, we're going to just show the people the love of Christ. We want to be an incarnation of our Lord. It's like, you know, when you give them some water, mm -hmm. you that's not what Christ was talking about. Right. So I, in that, I forget which one I did. I, th I think it was a couple sermons ago when I preached and I said, um, Jesus wasn't executed because he fed the hungry. Yeah. Right. No. He wasn't executed because he healed people um, or gave them water bottles or whatever. He was ultimately executed because he confronted them in a very powerful way yeah. with a message. And, and, and you said in another passage uh, w uh, or message with John the Baptist, where he's looking at these droves of people and the Pharisees are with them. And he's like, why are you out here? You know, do <laughs> yeah. you not know the ax is laid at the root? Go mm -hmm. and perform mm -hmm. deeds befitting Getting, repentance, right? Yeah. yeah. You know, yeah. I mean, that is not attractional. And it's also, quote unquote, not incarnational. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, that'll just get your head chopped off. Yeah. And, and it did. I mean, that, we know that. I mean, right. Yeah. Then he sits there and actually has the gall to tell Herod, who's not even a Christian. Yeah. You shouldn't be sleeping with that woman. Yeah. Well, actually, you know, he's dead. It's yeah. like, you know what? You should have been more incarnational. We need, Herod, we need to meet, I want to meet you in your space. And I want to bring the, I mean, it, it, you're laughing, but can you have, can you picture John the Baptist with his hairy clothes walking in and just saying, we just want to. His I hands just, are sticky I, I, from the honey. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, uh, maybe a leg of a locust sticking between the teeth. <laughs> and, and he's like, you know, sucking on it. And he's like, look, I, 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 just, I just want I just want to love you. I want to love you as Christ loves you. And I just want you to know that you, you're a broken man in a broken place. And I want to bring healing into this. And let's pray. Oh my goodness. Yeah. I, I mean, but that's what's going on. Right. So, so the church planner is just, he's, he's now become in many ways, this motivator of, of let's get out, let's do some things. But as we saw the forerunner of the Christ was killed. Christ himself was killed. All of his disciples and apostles were killed church history is laced with death and blood. Why? Because pe people are being confronted with a very explicit message that's hard to hear. And that is not because they're handing them a water bottle. And, and Paul says, anyone who desires to live godly in Christ Jesus, that's the key prepositional phrase, in Christ Jesus shall be persecuted. Right. Yeah. So, so contrast that to what Paul is saying here about the idea of quipping. Um, you know, church planners need to be equipping. They need to be explaining the text of scripture. They need to be calling people to obedience in terms of all that Christ has commanded. And all of that's born out of the biblical framework. So with that, the incarnational model is now producing another consequence. Um, and we'll do a podcast or two on this. And that's the social justice movement. Um, it's, it's how sound theology is not truly informing many pastors. So now, because we're trying to be incarnational, we need to end racism. We need to, we need to bring true justice and experience justice without a biblical framework of what justice is. Um, 
And so you have all kinds of church planters who are now on the uh, social justice bandwagon, right? And mm-hmm. they're thinking what Christ has come is to end racism. Well, he did, but and but but not like they're thinking it is. Um, and they they very seldom theologically explain explain even what true racism is, or how it's to be biblically addressed. So instead, they allow the culture because. Yeah. They're not theologically informed, so they allow the culture to define those things. And so I find it fascinating. The new cool thing in church planting is a white pastor to get up and chide all of his white people that they're all closet racists in some way. And then he says, look, let's let's start to have a conversation. Let's, Let's be incarnational. Let's show our brothers and sisters of a different race that love. So why don't you start having somebody of a different race, a different color, and they can't call them black or Hispanic. It's a person of color. It's like, yeah. um, and, and, and talk to them and ask them, how are we doing this right. or that? And, and it's like, you never address it with a robust theology. And so it, what happens is they, they can then check the box. Okay, I did my social justice sermon series. And you know, and I know full well that nothing has changed at church, right? Because none of them are th- properly equipped to think about their brother or sister who may, who, they may be showing a heart of racism that they're not thinking about them biblically. Paul says, you know, look, he he Paul rips into Peter right. in Galatians, right? Yep. Because he knows, hey, yeah, when the, with the Greeks, when yeah. you're around the when Jews come in town, all of a sudden you separate yourself from the Gentiles so that you don't. And so he ripped into him, but there's a theology behind yeah. it. It wasn't him just saying, "Look, you're hurting these people and you're marginalizing them." And oh yeah. goodness, yeah. So these guys are using man-made philosophy, you know, like critical theory. But man-made philosophy never changes the heart. No, the word of God changes the heart. But in it, they're thinking, well, we're just being incarnational because they don't even know what the love of Christ looks like in a community. They don't know yeah. what it that, And so we, we minimalize it to pulling weeds. And it's like, it doesn't necessarily mean you wouldn't pull the person's weeds, but don't think that you've somehow shown the love of Christ right. because you did pull weeds or you cleaned trash or you gave water bottle, et cetera. Yeah. yeah. So let's bring it home. Sure. So we, um, we, we know that church planning is hard work. Yeah, because um, we're doing it. <laughs> yeah, it's not, it's not easy. It's not simplistic. There's not a, a formula, one size fits all. Um, so that's not also what we're trying to say. It does need to be contextualized in some way based on where you're located. Um, but church planning, when you strip it all away, by its very definition is the task of establishing a local church, a biblical church, which is framed out by scripture where it did not exist. Right. Yeah. So, so to do that well and to do it properly, um, the only way that happens is by making a church planner understand that their primary task is always to be a preacher of the Word of God. He is not the vision caster, though he'll cast a vision. Right. He is not the guy who's going to be the guru in media or, or event planning. Right. When it really strips down to what he is supposed to be doing is equipping the people with the Word, and that's going to develop sound theology. That's not sexy. That's hard, hard work. Yes. But that's what... So we need to stop thinking of the church planters anything less than a theologian. And may I say, we need to demand of our church planters that they be sound theologians. Fair enough? Fair enough. Fair enough.